Hello, listeners. Matt here. Hey, are you Pottern Family? Go on Twitter and search the hashtag Pottern Family or follow at Pottern Family to find a bevy of great podcasts, including this one. That's hashtag Pottern Family or at Pottern Family on Twitter. By the way, spoiler alert, this podcast will be talking about the most recent episode of the show that it covers. So if you're not caught up, come back when you are if you don't want to be spoiled. Don't worry, we'll be here waiting. Part of the Rewatching Good TV Network. It's Ragnar Cast, a Vikings podcast. And now here's your host, Matt Murdick. Hey there, and welcome to RagnarCast, dedicated to Vikings on the History Channel. It's episode 6 of the podcast where we are covering season 4, episode 6, What Might Have Been, written by Michael Hurst, directed by Ken Girardi. I hope I pronounced that name right. It first aired on March 24th, 2016, and was viewed by an estimated 2.36 million viewers. My name is Matt Murdick. I am from Ragnarcast. That's R-A-G-N-A-R cast.wordpress.com. That's your one-stop shop for all things regarding this podcast, like the back episodes of the podcast, or you can find all of the contact information, which I'll give to you right now, ragnarcast at gmail.com, uh, tweeting at Ragnarcast, or calling 314-669-1840 to leave a voicemail. You can also find podcatcher links, uh, especially for iTunes and Stitcher. And if you would take the time to leave me a written review on the iTunes or Stitcher store pages, which are really whatever podcatcher app you use, I'll try and find it and thank you for it. Just like I'm thinking right now, Bridge 579 in the U.S. iTunes store. Thank you very much for taking the time to leave me a written review. It helps me a great deal to stay more noticeable among other podcasts covering Vikings, as well as, you know, any input regarding the podcast, what you like or don't like about it, helps me fine-tune it a little bit uh, to make it more enjoyable for everyone. That's really it about the podcast, I suppose. Let's get right into talking about this episode, what might have been. The first thing we do every week is I troll the internet pretty much, and so far i have starting to get more and more results for this, which I love. Uh, people submit what we call the Ragnarism, or your favorite quotes from the episode. doesn't have to involve Ragnar. He doesn't have to be the one to say it. Just whatever your favorite quotes are, and we have several submissions this week. First off, at Mischief Forever on Twitter... A shared F for mischief and forever in that Twitter handle. Mischief Forever says their Ragnarism was Ragnar's initiation of his two children. Very good. Then we had at xhanna91, that's Shanna, and a voicemail from Bridget 
who both wanted to, when Bjorn says that there's no sign of Rolo's camp, and Ragnar's reply to that. Um, at Cute Poison 10, our friend Christine said, Torvi and Alindor, or Lagatha and Ragnar. Um, so I just threw them both in there, or little snippets of both. At Fat Monster, their favorite quote was, The classic burn, you're so dirty, don't you ever wash. Kids can be so mean. And at Classical Bow, sent one in, that's B-E-A-U, Classical Bow, from Prudentius, the first step is the hardest. And my personal one was when Ragnar asked the seer, I want to know the day that I will die, and what the seer said to him in response. So have a listen to those. Take this offering of earth and salt to remind you that you belong both to the earth and to the sea. These arm rings symbolize your coming of age. They also bind you in loyalty and fealty to me, your king and your father. Any oath you swear upon these rings must be kept, or else you will sacrifice your honor and your place in Valhalla. Do you understand? Yes, father. Yes, father. Do you swear so? Yes, father. Put on your rings, my brothers. your father says and father prudentious they know best and be good we must go the first step is always the hardest we still have much in common really is it so we have your son in common i don't care about your feelings for Bjorn because if I ask you to kill him, you will have to do it. Otherwise, I will kill the boy. And believe me, Logitha can't protect your son. You thought you were free, Torvi, free to choose Bjorn over me? <laughs> but you never were. You've never spoken to me about Kulf's death. You must have broken your heart. Of course it didn't. My heart was broken a long time ago. I still don't understand why you are willing to risk your baby's life in battle. Who are you to talk? 
I'm not your wife. There's no sign of Rolo's camp. No. Does that surprise you? All right, and thank you everybody for all those great quotes. W one thing that I love is the diversity of them, how different things hit different people in different ways for whatever reasons that they have. Um, it's great to get a collection of that. Uh, you almost get a, a synopsis of the episode in a way by checking everybody's favorite quotes, right? Um, plus, you get a great kind of sampling of the diversity of Trevor Morris's music score in this particular episode because there's a wide variety of everything from, you know, that those kind of eerie, scary sounding synths to um, great emotional, warm synth chords um, or feeling synth chords during like the Eckbert scene. Um, you get all kinds of great stuff. Um, the, the ones that hit me the hardest this week, of course, was, was the Judith scene and the, uh, uh, the Ragnar Longboat scene, and both of those used just very little melody. Just the chords just added so much weight because there's usually so much movement. Like when they're in the boats, normally, like you heard the drumming thing while Bjorn was talking about Rolo's camp. You know, there's, there's drum movement and everything, and that that gives everything a build. And when Morris takes the time to just stop and take the percussion out of it and just let chords just play. That's all he needs. He doesn't have to compose great melodies like a Michael Giacchino or anything. He can, he has, but he doesn't have to because of the feel of the music is what adds emotional weight or the lack of movement adds emotional weight. I think that's fantastic. But the one thing I did want to talk about with these quotes was mine because, you know, it's my podcast. So I want to talk about my quote. What does the seer mean? Exactly. I mean, I've seen some things across the internet over the last couple of days, people saying, well, it could be metaphor. Um, the only thing is, is right at the end, he says, we will both know, right? The seer says that. So is it a literal thing? Is he talking about himself the day that he sees, which to me says that, you know, Floki will be rising to the seer and will go blind and he will suddenly open his eyes and probably die two seconds later, you know, right along with Ragnar. Um, there, there's a lot of things about the seer that seems to be coming back into play from prior seasons in this episode. And then this one right here, this is just striking me crazy because it could, I guess if you're going to go to a metaphor, it could be somebody who's been denying the truth about something finally, you know, coming to the realization that, that, they, they haven't been seeing it right or something like that. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Why don't you send me an email? Ragnarcast at gmail.com. I guess I'll circle back around. I'm just going to start right at the top of the episode and talk about my favorite character this episode, and that's Lagertha. Right at the top, we see her doing this whole bit, nice little chant. She's sending cough off to Valhalla, I guess, is what she's doing. I not exactly sure what that chant was. It just, the caption just said native language and I don't know any Scandinavian or, or Norse native languages. So if you guys are hip to what she was actually saying, I'd love it if you could uh, drop me a line and let me know. And uh, anyway, she does that. And then we have Erlander 
come up and, and ask the question that all of the audience wants to ask. He's just kind of being the surrogate for the audience there when he asks why she killed him. And her answer is very straightforward, and it's true to her character. She had promised that she would kill him for taking her earldom in the first place, and so she did. Um, and, and it was just that simple. And I, I love that because that is so Lagartha. I mean, that is just perfectly Lagartha. So I, I just, I thought that was super fantastic. Um, and I want to move to her conversation with Ragnar before I come back to this again with Guthrum. But her conversation with Ragnar once they had landed, that was pretty interesting as well. I had at one point questioned whether she was actually even pregnant in during the prior episode. It would seem that if Ragnar thinks it's true, then she's been telling everybody. But she did kind of deflect the question about it as well, and quite strongly. And, of course, another thing that's been coming up for a lot of fans this weekend is maybe she's just kind of in denial because of the prediction that she got from the seer regarding the fact that she could, you know, what many have interpreted is that she would no longer have any children. What he says is, as far as I can see, I see no children, I think is something like that. And that almost, to me, if you translate that literally, sounds like maybe if she does have this child or any other child in the future, it will be so far away that the seer cannot envision it. Um, maybe it's in a, it's it literally a location far away. So there's one crackpot theory for you. Another could be that she just isn't pregnant, but I, I don't know which way to go with that. At any rate, when she finally put Ragnar in his place there, I actually really love that because I think Ragnar's had that coming for a long time. And I think even the whole boat vision uh, talks about to that a little bit. And I'll get to the Ragnar bit, uh, that Ragnar side of that um, in a little bit, but I, I just love that she was able to just basically tell him, you did break my heart. You know, nothing's going to, it, it wasn't nearly as hard for me to kill calf as it would have been to kill you. Um, but in the same sense, she seems like she's moved on too. And that's another thing why you got to love Lagartha so much. Cause she just doesn't take shit off of anybody. She's, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, she's become just a true, warrior viking in her own right you know the the perfect shield maiden she is awesome and um yeah i'm gonna go back to the whole thing about guthrum because she ends up telling torvi that guthrum is is doing well and she predicts great things for him and all of this stuff but she's helping steer that already because when she, they're getting ready to leave she tells him you have to keep your friends close because Many of them will die, and some of them will betray you, right? Um, it's the world's best advice ever. And it, it almost speaks to her feelings about Calf. It also speaks, I think, to her suspicions about Erlander. I, re I really do think that that uh, speaks to her some suspicions going on there. Um, and speaking of Erlander, good Lord, what a slime ball. I mean, threatening Torvi that way and, and taking pleasure in the fact that he holds that card. The big question, uh, of course, is Bjorn has put it together about the ring and now he's told Torvi about it. So if Torvi truly believes that Erlander 
can hurt Guthrum for where they are right now, because I don't know that Bjorn is going to even let Erlander get away from France. I think he's waiting for his moment, and he's going to he's just going to take Erlander out while they're there. But nonetheless, if Torvi doesn't trust that he can do that, is it possible that with this threat, she might actually betray Bjorn and and warn Erlander that Bjorn might be after him? Can she afford to take that chance? That's why she was asking Lagertha about Guthrum in the first place. She was worried for his safety. She even told Erlander that she can trust what Lagertha tells her as opposed to what he tells her, naturally. And you have this whole thing. I mean, this whole season, there's been this whole theme of women and whether they're truly free or not. And I I think the conversation with Erlander and, and Torvi kind of demonstrates that just as much as the conversation with Edu and Ragnar, where Edu had said, I'm basically a rat in your cage, even though you claim that I'm free. Here, Erlander's saying the same thing from his point of view. It's like, well, you had the freedom to leave with Bjorn, but you're not really free. And I think even with Judith and Eckbert, you're seeing that because it doesn't appear to me that Judith got a chance to actually make the choice about what was going to happen. So... It it seems to me that there's a lot of women feeling empowered, but you have to question whether they really are or not. And um, in some places, I think you're seeing some stars on the rise. And in some places, I think you're seeing some of those stars on on the fall. Uh, And it's going to be really interesting to see how we see the diversification of that concept of women actually being free or not in this show. Wow, I, I went off on that a lot. But again, it does boil down to whether Bjorn is going to be able to take Erlander out before Erlander can actually do anything about Guthrum. Freaking coward. Uh, would he even have the guts to kill a child? I don't know. But Bjorn, other than, you know, talking about the berserker or or staring really hard at Erlander. It's not like he had a whole lot to do in this episode, but he's still such a huge presence. And that's amazing to me. I I guess it's just the acting and the positions that they're placing him in, um, in terms of the situation of the story. Um, It just seems like a, uh, as big a presence on the screen right now as Ragnar seems. It's really interesting because Ragnar will take your attention away, but it, he's doing it in a totally different way this year where because he's so he seems so small, so shelled. And now Bjorn is busting out bigger than life, it would seem. Um, and, and in a good way, not in a kind of a haphazard way like he has been in seasons past. Um, so one, one of the things that happened with him this week was other than screaming at his uncle, but it, just the way that he stared at, uh, King Harold and, and half Dan the black as they were burning the Franks, uh, he did not seem very pleased by that at all. And really neither did Uba or, uh, Fitzer either. They, they were both getting a surprise. They're, they're going on a field trip that they will, uh, learn a lot from. And I love the whole armband thing and, and everything. And I'll talk more about that, uh, when I talk about Ragnar here in a minute. Uh, but you know, Bjorn, uh, ending with him just screaming at his uncle. So let's, let's talk about Rolo and, and Paris and man, 
You talk about the nail going in the coffin. I mean, every week I hold out hope that Rolo is going to go back to being loyal to Ragnar and he, that he's just pulling some kind of con. But every week um, they just push it a step further and it seems less and less likely. The one thing that really disturbed me, the show this week pointed out that even everyone else in Paris thinks that he's going to do the whole flip side betrayal thing. And yet Rolo, and, and by the way, uh, Clive changing his voice to be all proper sounding when he's, you know, supposedly speaking the Frank language. That's awesome. <laughs> and uh, anyway, he declares that, you know, he will not betray Paris. He will not betray the emperor. He will not betray his wife. And he seems pretty sincere. And I don't know if that's because he is speaking in that proper tone or whatever, but it seems pretty sincere. So uh, this could be just another push further towards a red herring, but it's seeming less and less likely. I'll I'll still, just for the sake of hope, I'll still call it a toss-up um, because I want Rolo to come back to the Viking fold, but the show has sure been trying to tell us that he's not going to. So, you know, damn. And, and of course, with Ragnar and, and Bjorn uh, aware and and angry with him on, on the bank there, just, just shy of those two forts. The two forts in the chain, baby. Here we go. Um, we might see a pretty fierce water battle next week. Let's hope that we do. Um, that would be pretty awesome. Although I, I hate to see the results of that. Once again, I don't want um, I don't want to see anybody get hurt because Ragnar and Rolo have to butt heads. But I don't know. Maybe impossible to avoid at this point. If Odo has anything to do with it, it certainly will be. And even Odo thinks that Rolo is going to betray them. And the question is, will Rolo do what Gisla has suggested to him? Will will Rolo kill Odo in the in the heat of battle? Because um, if so, then it would seem that the play that Therese made this week uh, would have been for naught, right? I mean, I, I'm I'm still not convinced as far as Odo goes, I, I, and especially given that Emperor smiling after uh, Therese and Roland left the room, I'm not convinced that they're not falling for something themselves that they've, they've stepped too far into the trap and that uh, Odo is, is closing the noose on him. For one thing, why have her just keep her clothes on this week? I mean, that seemed a little odd as compared to every other time his little perversion has come up. And I, I, he just seemed to be volunteering exactly what she wanted to hear. And it didn't seem like she was really manipulating it out of him either. So I, I'm not so convinced uh, that uh, she's got the goods on him. Um, I'm, I'm more afraid that he's getting the goods on her in some way. And that would be uh, terrible, I guess. I, I don't know, because I don't really don't know what Therese and Roland's endgame is. I mean, if they are brother and sister, let's hope not. Um, but it would seem that they are allegedly brother and sister, at least as far as we know so far. Um, then I don't know. Um, that would be very unchristian like. Maybe Odo is trying to uncover that um, so that he can send them both off to whatever kind of execution they do at that time. Uh, we'll have to see who ends up on top, whether it's Odo and the Emperor or whether it's uh, Therese and Roland and, and Gisla. E even if 
Gisla is not in league with them. I, I think they're all looking to the same end. So pretty interesting there. And all of this is coming to a, a pretty epic episode, which is why I think it was really impactful to see Ragnar's story this week. Well, like it's not normally impactful, but man, I mean, first of all, this stuff with Edu. I think there's still a slight possibility that Edu is is doing all of this, getting Ragnar addicted, uh, because Aslog has asked her to. Um, and Ragnar is definitely addicted now, like the whole the whole compass thing. Um, even Edu looked concerned when that when he took that last one on the longboat as they're going up the river. I mean, she walked away from him and she leaned against the pole and she looked really upset by um, how far down the hole he seems to have gone. But Edu herself, again, here we have this whole, you've said that I'm free, but I'm really not. But maybe her star is on the rise because she is actually getting what she wants. She's she's actually turned it around and she's imprisoned Ragnar to the drugs as opposed to her being a slave to him, she's made him a slave to the drugs. Uh, and because of that, she's going to get to go back to Frankia. Why does she want to go back to Frankia so badly? That's the question. Um, there's some reasons, I'm sure, that will be revealed at some point, but they've yet to be determined. Her being able to speak the language, you could also look at it like, will that be helpful to the Vikings? Or could she possibly make that hurtful? I, I will say this, that the, the song that she sang on the boat and then she had the tear, um, that got me. It's It's got to have something to do with her daddy, the emperor of China. That's who I think she's, she's definitely an emperor's daughter. But again, back to this freedom thing, um, you know, there's parallels between her and, and, and Judith, um, her and, and Torvi, her and, and just about every um, female in this show right now. There, there's a whole bunch. Even Aslog harbored when he comes to her. One of the things that he entices her with is a chance to set her free, and more about that in a minute. But whether by Aslog's design or not, this whole drug thing. If Ragnar doesn't shake this and straighten himself out from the addiction, this could very well be a kind of an undoing of him. Uh, I, I don't know if he'll die particularly in this battle, but I, I mean, he needs to, he needs to straighten up and fly right. Um, and when you think about the addiction coupled with the kind of the loss of will to fight that he admitted to in the last episode, coupled with a vision of his past that really disturbed him in this episode, I mean, there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff piling up on, uh, on Ragnar that makes makes I think him in a very dangerous place right now. And then you have this whole bit with taking Uba and and Fitzer with him and that kind of also paralleled Eckbert's power play this week because you have Ragnar almost taking his own children hostage from Aslog. Maybe not intentionally just to hurt her. I mean, I think he does want to raise his boys, and obviously she won't let him raise Ivar the way he would want to, and she's made it quite clear because she's now sending him to Floki and 
or yeah, to Floki and stuff, at least before they all leave. And I, I think the whole thing with Uba and, and, and Fisser is kind of a power play. And Eckbert, I can't, I, I really don't know. Eckbert is using Alfred and Aethelwolf the same way. Um, and again, I think that that's more of a play at Quinthrith than it is at Judith herself. But Judith is the one who has suffered a little bit of freedom because you can guarantee that she didn't have any say in whether Alfred was going on this pilgrimage or not, right? But back to Ragnar, I, I keep digressing. He's made a play at Aslog with the whole armband ceremony. And by the way, that was great to see. Uh, but you've got all this domestic power stuff going on here. And then you have this drug-induced vision that he has. And that, that's really, really heartbreaking. But then what it really boils down to, and I don't know, maybe this will be the thing that wakes Ragnar up. This and the fact that Rolo's sitting on the bank. Um, but that vision that he did have uh, of his past, more or less. And you think back to what he said last week about, you know, he used to love the the fight, the struggle and everything. And now he's just kind of longing for things the way they were. Maybe, I mean, I, I think there's a part of him that's angered also that at himself for feeling that way, for the fact that he let that hallucination get to him. There's definitely um, a moment of discontentment with himself or with the vision. I can't tell. But there was also a moment of just being totally engrossed in it. And there's so much frustration and sadness and disbelief and, and all kinds of things in Ragnar's vision there. It just totally floored me. I mean, Travis just totally nailed that. Everything from the way that he was like trying to clear his mind, you know, the twitching fingers and, and, and the pain of confronting all of it. Man. Oh man, and you couple that with Trevor Morris's score, and uh, and again you have young Bjorn, and you have Athelstan there. But of course, what got me the most was seeing Gita, and they made sure to do a long shot of Lagatha and Gita together. Man, that hit me so hard, especially when you think about even with his connection with Helga this season because of the loss of Angraboda. I mean, there's all of these things um, that he is pained by. So Ragnar's addiction coupled with, you know, more or less a lack of will to actually fight and a fascination with his own death indicated by his talk with the seer. He's got Floki, he's got fine hair and half Dan the black. They're disregarding him or, or wanting what he has clearly. And apparently you have this brother who now has betrayed him. I mean, what we have here is a culmination of the biggest challenges that Ragnar's ever faced. And to face them all at one time, I mean, that's uh, that's pretty heavy. If he comes out on top this season, then he will have truly uh, won just about every fight I think he can fight. Because that's uh, the odds are unsurmountable about what's going on with him, all of the things that he's facing. And I do want to talk 
about Helga for a second. I mean, Maud Hurst has said that Helga is is trying her best right now to manage Floki as best that she can. Um, she feels like this allegiance to Ragnar, not just because he set Floki free, which is the reason that, of course, that she tells Floki that he he should still be Ragnar's friend, but also because her and Floki had always been outsiders until Ragnar kind of brought them in. And once they were brought into the community, Floki had kind of thrown that away, uh, of course, by killing Athelstan. And yet Ragnar still helped Helga through all of it. And I I think that adds a lot of weight uh, to the issues about Ragnar and and Floki. Um, And I think it actually adds a lot of weight to why Ragnar actually let Floki go, to be perfectly honest. Uh, The interview with Maud Hurst is on the... um, the History Channel's Vikings podcast, which you can catch, I know, on iTunes. Uh, give a listen to it sometime because it's really good stuff. They interview the actors and uh, people who work on the set and all kinds of things. It's good. Um, also, remember that Aslog turned to Floki uh, to teach Ivar the true Viking way, right? And and that can't be good for Ivar is, is what I'm thinking because Floki's got, got a lot of darkness and I'm wondering if that darkness is kind of rubbing off on Ivar. Not not to mention, uh, it's just it's like watching Game of Thrones, except in the Viking world. It's like a Norse Game of Thrones. I mean, because now we have Lysa Aaron. Aslog has become Lysa Aaron and his breastfeeding 10-year-olds. Just wait. She'll be breastfeeding Ivar when he's 10 years old, if she's still alive. I mean... <laughs> Lots of Game of Thrones parallels this year, and, and I'm not really certain, uh, since I've seen that all before and or read it all before, if I even really like that. But anyway, I mean, she is in a bad spot, because Ragnar has taken uh, two of her strong children away from her, two oldest boys, and, um, you know, he's kind of left this desperate hole in her heart, uh, which is kind of exemplified through the fact that that Sigurd and and Siggy aren't really that much speaking of which we had that resentment from Aslog to Bjorn about him not wanting to take care of his daughter but it doesn't look like Siggy's getting any good treatment from Aslog either as filthy as she is because Aslog is too busy breastfeeding Ivar come on it's not the kind of quality care <laughs> that uh, I think she assured Purin uh, that Siggy would get. Yeah. Anyway, uh, nonetheless, uh, Aslog is obviously distracted because her boys are gone. And yet another distraction comes in, of course, in her greatest hour of need, who arrives every time, Harbard. Harbard shows up when Ragnar's gone, Hobbard shows up when Aslog wants something or is sad about something or needs something. And I think what we can learn uh, from Hobbard's appearance uh, could be talked about in the very first scene with Aslog uh, this year where she went to see the seer and he told her that the gods walk among us. And I think that that means that Hobbard is indeed Odin. Um, but the problem is, is that it seemed to me last year when Odin came to town, Hobbard came to town, 
that he needed a sacrifice for his services. And that sacrifice happened to be Siggy. Um, Mama Siggy, not little Siggy, of course. So who is in town right now that can be a sacrifice for Harvard? Because, you know, there's just something creepy about the dude. He's going to he's going to take a sacrifice. It's just the way it is. And I hope it's not little Siggy. I hope it's not Sigard. Um, don't think it'll be Ivar because I don't think he's going to, you know, stop nursing anytime soon. I, I don't know. I, I just I just wonder if that could really be a problem that Aslog by again involving herself with Hobbard is getting into the into some really dangerous territory. Uh, and because I feel like Harvard is very dark, the fact that Ivar likes him so much, I think that that speaks a lot um, to Ivar's future. We, we know that uh, historically Ivar the Boneless, or in the tales, Ivar the Boneless is a very fearsome warrior. You know, he's somebody that um, nobody wants to face. And, and it's probably because there is a darkness in him. And we just saw him kill a kid with an axe last week. So um, there is a viciousness in Ivar and, and Harvard, um, maybe a Harvard because of his own kind of darkness about him, Ivar recognizes that and that's why Ivar is happy. Plus, uh, you know, seemingly Harvard can take Ivar's pain away when he's feeling pain. So maybe that's what it was too. And while Aslog of course, has had uh, made this comparison earlier, but Aslog is kind of getting her children taken away. Well, Judith is getting her children taken away, too. It's the same kind of almost a deterioration of Judith's personal freedom. Um, she seemed very clearly surprised by Eckbert's announcement uh, and very saddened when Alfred was, was sent away on his pilgrimage. So while... I I think that was an intentional benefit for Eckbert to send Alfred away. But I also think the more immediate benefit and probably the primary goal of it was actually to send Aethelwulf away. I mean, he is completely aware of Aethelwulf and Quinthrith because Judith has, has told him about them. And I think that he just wants Mercia and there's no way that he's going to get Mercia if Aethelwulf is still around. Um, and now he's volunteering to lead the army into Mercia and everything. He is going to annex Mercia. Um, and he's probably going to kill Quinthrith. It's just that simple. It's the only way he can make it do. But he has completely isolated Quinthrith now. She has no real protectors. Um, she has no one in her corner to speak on terms of policy other than herself. And while Eckbert um, is seemingly civilized, I, I really think that he set all of this up for one reason alone, and that was to isolate Quinthrus so that when he takes his troops into Mercia and defeats these warlords, who I'm still not completely convinced aren't just under his purse now, that he just didn't buy them to take over her throne so that he could go in and, and defeat them in a faux kind of way and, and then just annex Mercia for himself. And, um, Quinthrus is just out of luck. I, I mean, that may be what uh, is going on here. 
But the thing that I'm concerned about, and that that seems like a you know a master manipulative, very Eckbert chess game kind of thing to have played all of these pieces perfectly. But has he miscalculated something here? I mean, does he think that Alfred and Aethelwulf might encounter the Vikings? They're going on this pilgrimage uh, from London to Rome is about 1,100 miles. Um, But that path would take you through Paris or near Paris to get there more than likely, especially when you consider where they would cross at a channel or something to get to France and then would walk through. And remember, Prudentius is from France. So he's going to want to go through his home country where for as long as he can. That only makes sense. It's safer that way to travel in your own country. Or so you would think has Eckbert miscalculated that the Vikings might return to Paris or is that part of his intent? Think about it. If he gets Quintrith out of the way, then he can take Magnus on for himself. He can foster him or whatever. And maybe he feels like Alfred is ready for his greatness. That poor kid, he was frightened to death. He was frightened to death. He's leaning against the wall after the announcement, just breathing real heavy. Poor Alfred. Um, but I, I'm more worried about him now. I'm worried if Ragnar or, or his men might encounter Aethelwulf and Alfred and what they might do to them. Um, that would be very interesting because remember, uh, Ragnar did talk about the fact that all those people were killed back in uh, England, the people he left to settle. So uh, I hope that Eckbert hasn't miscalculated, but we will have to see. And I guess that's all I have for this particular episode other than my rating. I know some of you people will say, well, they just this episode didn't really do much. People just kind of got moving pieces from here to there. I disagree. <laughs> I think there was so much emotional content in this. I think that there was so much thematic content in this. I think there was a lot of strategy in this. I think there was a lot of um, just wonderful, intriguing things uh, between Harvard and, and the Seer and all of those other things popping up. Um, I think this episode was absolutely fantastic. And, and the score, I mean, uh, and that, that scene with Travis in the longboat, that, that's one of those scenes, you know, sometimes a singular scene for me can really up an episode and it shouldn't, I realize that it shouldn't, but it, sometimes it can. And the music score to that was just amazing. And, and Travis was just absolutely amazing. So I'm not going to go like nine, um, but I am going to go 8.8. For this week's episode. And a lot of it does have to do with the weight of that one scene. But I felt like there was a whole lot of stuff going on subtextually and on the surface um, that has to be thought about. And will pay off in great amounts um, as the season wears on. And there we go. So, I haven't heard from you guys in a while. Why don't we hear some of your three-word descriptions? Three words is next. Three little words. Oh, what I'd give for that wonderful phrase. To hear those three little words. Hi, this is for Ragnarcast, and this is Bridget. And so the three words 
there's a chain. There's a chain going across the water. I cannot believe it. I'm about ready to have a heart attack waiting for the next episode. All right. Thank you, Bridget. There's a chain. Yeah. Now, see, what Bridget did there was she took what impacted her most, and she described that in three words. Another thing you can do is you can sometimes just take your three words as a description of the entire episode, which is kind of like what I did this time around, where I just did toss-up questions. Or if you count toss-up as one word, then I'll go toss-up questions galore. I've got you either way. So there you go. That's mine. Um, Maybe a most impactful one for me would be Ragnar's Biggest Regret. And we've got a few tweets and emails as well. At Mischief Forever. uh, That's 1F sharing everything there. Uh, 1F is the end of mischief and the beginning of forever. At Mischief Forever says Viking against Viking. And that is referring to Rolo standing on the shore watching Ragnar. I still hope he won't betray them. All right. Thank you, at Mischief Forever. At Xana91 does three words by saying setup episode. Very good. At Cute Poison 10, drug, flashbacks, family. Excellent. Um, at Fat Monster says Ragnar's clouded mind. Very good. Robin, who is uh, normally at Two Fangirls on Twitter, but sending an email this week, says my three words: Here we go, because so many new journeys started this week. Very good. And finally, Angel says, sits and stares, referring to Rolo just sitting on his horse, eyeballing his former comrades. And how about this one? Alfred sent away. Alfred becomes the famed Alfred the Great, who is known to be a great, pious king. So this journey will be influential, as King Eckbert imagines. Alfred the Great becomes one of the great unifiers of England against the Vikings. A recent series from BBC called The Last Kingdom is about this era. Back to Paris is another three little words I can think of, and I'll give it a score of 8.5. All right. Thank you very much, Angel. I appreciate you taking the time to send in an email. And that's how you do it, folks. You come up with three words to explain the episode to someone or to describe the episode. And uh, if you need to offer... Uh, a little extra, then naturally I include it. Um, but your actual submission can only be three words. In the meantime, we've got another segment coming up for you newbies. It's called the Frig of the Week. That's the best coupling of the week, and that's next. Have so clearly three little words, eight little letters, but simply mean I love you. Oh, is for the only one. 
Let's get to mine next. And mine is, you did two people there, Bridget. That's what we do here, folks. We try to come up with the best coupling for the episode. And it can either be two people, or it can be a person and an object, or it can be a person and a concept. For instance, mine this week is a person and a concept. Quinthrith and Trouble. Because I feel like that's what Quinthrith is destined for uh, here this week. Um, with Sindon... Both Aethelwolf and Alfred away, uh, the, the deck is is cleared for pretty much for Eckbert to run all over Quinthrith if he chooses to. He could take Ragnar away from her anytime he wants. He could um, annex Mercia for himself, and there's nothing that Aethelwolf will be able to do since he's away on his own pilgrimage with with uh, Alfred. So I think Quinthrith is definitely headed for trouble. And so that's my coupling for the week. We do have other submissions, of course. Uh, first one, uh, at xzana91, I actually submitted one for last week, but it didn't get in, in time to include it in last week's podcast, so I'm including it now. For Season 4, Episode 5, their Frig of the Week was Eckbert and God, which is a good one because of that church scene. Excellent choice. Um, at... Xhanna91 also submitted for this week Ragnar and Lagertha um, the one on one chat although Ivar and Aslog's breast is second wow alright thank you very much at Xhanna91 at Mischief Forever um, says my frig of the week Ragnar and his medicine now see there's a guy in an object person and an object we're covering all the bases here on this week's frig of the week again person object concept it all works in this love realm here um at cute poison 10 uh, agrees with at x hannah 91 saying ragnar and lagatha very good uh and this email from robin um, by the way, Robin is normally at two fangirls on Twitter. That's the number two and girls with a Z. Uh, but she submitted emails this week saying, My frig of the week is Ragnar and his memory slash what might have been moment. It was heartbreaking to watch. Travis is such a wonderful actor and what he is able to convey through his facial expressions is outstanding. I agree and I agree that you're... Frig of the Week is outstanding too, Robin. See, folks, it's that simple. And how do you submit all this stuff? Well, you can submit your three words, or you can submit your Frig of the Week, or you can submit any feedback about with thoughts about the week's episode simply by sending an email to RagnarCast, R-A-G-N-A-R-Cast, at gmail.com, or you can call 314-669-1840, like Bridget did, and leave a voicemail. 
Or you can tweet me like at CutePoison10 does or at MischiefForever does. Um, you can do that by tweeting at RagnarCast. And uh, I do have some feedback for you, so that's coming up next. When love can make it, take my heart and please don't break it. Love was made for me and you. This is for RagnarCast, and this is Bridget. And um, I really did enjoy the show this time, um, but just to let you know right off the bat, I gave it a 9 out of 10. Um, I'm really enjoying seeing all the development with the children, um, except maybe Arvi and, I, excuse me, Ivar and Oslog. The only way for a woman to, to keep nursing for that many years is to never stop. So I'm not sure what to make of that. So during the storm on the water, I noticed that every Viking was scary when they looked at the sky. And I read in a really old story that it was thought that Odin and the gods were fighting giants during storms like that. And so I was curious if that was what they were thinking. And the next morning was weird. Was Ragnar too stoned to use his compass? Is that why Bjorn did the calculation? I'm noticing a theme with female freedom. Judith is free to paint. Quindrith is freed from the tower. Lagertha is free to rule her earldom. Yidu is free of her rat cage. And now we are, ha- we are talking about the fact that Torby is not free. And Harvard tells Oslog, I will make you free. So I, interesting little thing that I noticed there. Now Ragnar and Lagertha talking about broken hearts broke my heart. Did they split because Ragnar needed more sons? I was thinking about that, and I had a really scary thought. The seer said that Ragartha would never have any more children, not that she couldn't get pregnant. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that she doesn't lose the baby. I'm really enjoying the show. You're doing such a great job. I think I enjoy the podcast as much as I enjoy the show. And as I mentioned, I'll give it a 9 out of 10. It had that perfect um, perfect coupling of emotions and war. <laughs> And my favorite quote was when Ragnar answered Bjorn, when Bjorn mentioned that Rolo's camp wasn't there, and Ragnar said, no, does that surprise you? No, it didn't surprise me. All righty, Matt, thank you again, and school. Okay, Bridget, thank you so much for the voicemail. Really appreciate that. It's great to start the feedback section off with another voicemail from you. Yeah, the whole Ivar nursing thing, um, that disturbed me a little bit. Uh, I just keep thinking of, again, of Lysa Aaron and little Robin Aaron from Game of Thrones. Um, And I really didn't want to put, I don't really like Aslog, but I don't want to put her in that kind of crazy. Um, I hope that's not an indication of where her character is going from here on out. Because I actually kind of liked Aslog when she first came on. Um, The thing about the the thunderstorms. Now that's interesting. I did not know that. I imagine many of our listeners are astute enough that they did, such as yourself. But um, thank you for sharing that with us. Um, yes, Ragnar was definitely too stoned to use the compass. That's for sure. There is definitely a, a theme of women and freedom. I think it's more about the question of whether they actually have the freedom or not. Um, I think initially. Uh, it was about women gaining the freedom 
And now it's turning to the question as to whether they actually had it or not. Uh, the, the only woman that I see as being truly free right now is Lagertha, at least in terms of power and, and that kind of freedom. Now, uh, did Ragnar leave Lagertha because she could not have any more children? I think that it's safe to assume that he was with Aslog and other women because he felt that might be the case. Um, and and uh, Lagatha, of course, had that conversation with the seer. I think I explained my interpretation or a couple of possible interpretations of that earlier in the podcast. So hopefully we covered that for you. Thanks for the compliment about the podcast as well. Very humbled when people compliment the podcast. So thanks for listening and always uh, calling in and submitting great feedback for us, Bridget. Really appreciate it. Let's move to another voicemail. Hey, two voicemails, two, two, two for the price of one. We've got uh, a voicemail from Matt this time around. Hello, Matt and the rest of the Ragnar cast listeners. My name is Matt. You can find me on Twitter at FatMoster. That's F-A-T-M-O-S-T-E-R. I'm a longtime listener, first-time caller, and I wanted to start off by apologizing. Uh, I'm a little late to the feedback party, but I'm here now. So that brings me to my first point. What's the deal with Harvard? Uh, we know that he has some magical properties. He was able to take Ivar's pain away. Uh, he also disappeared in some mist. Last time that we saw him, uh, he also calls Ivar a blessed child. I don't know if that has any correlation. Uh, is Harbard someone else? Is he Odin? Is he Loki? Is he Benjamin Stark or Septilomore? Uh, I'm not too sure, but one of the things I really wanted to bring up was right after Harbard sees Ivar, calls him uh, a blessed child, Ivar starts laughing. And I'm sure everyone saw while he's laughing, it is very, very creepy. And I'm not sure if that is the point that they wanted to get across, but you think they could have used a second take, maybe where he wasn't quite as creepy. Uh, I also wanted to bring up that uh, we saw the Vikings burning the Christians, and that's something that I think is important when we recognize the show as being uh, something from history. Uh, another show I really enjoy called Black Sails is about pirates. But it does the same thing where you learn to love these main characters and you feel bad for them. You have empathy. Uh, you also dislike their enemies. But it's still good to remember that they are Vikings. So they did pillage and such. Uh, one thing was interesting to me in that scene, while most of the Vikings were laughing about the Christians being burned, Bjorn was just standing and staring at Erlender, who is now the main focus of his revenge the scene on the boat where he's looking at the ring and just staring at Erlander, I thought was incredible. Bjorn's very quickly uh, this season become one of my favorite characters. I liked him before, but now I see him as becoming a, a true uh, true lead, especially of the show, but even more importantly, uh, the Lothbrok family. Uh, the scene with the bear, we, we've seen him go through trials, but now he looks like a tough Viking and somebody you would definitely want on your side, and somebody you wouldn't want to make an enemy of. Uh, I also think it was interesting when uh, Lagertha was talking to Erlander through the child when she was telling him the story about trying to keep your friends close uh, because some of them may die and the others will betray you. 
I thought it was interesting that if she knew, if Lagatha knew that Erlander was the one to try and assassinate Bjorn, she would be the first to kill him. So it's funny that uh, she is the closest to him. Uh, I also just lastly wanted to say that Ragnar is the show to me. Uh, the other characters are phenomenal, and the casting has been great, and that's why it's such a, a good show. But Ragnar is, is what the show has been about thus far, and his acting is phenomenal. Uh, Matt, uh, thanks very much for doing the podcast. Uh, I, I really appreciate it. I'm very excited on Twitter to read everyone's feedback. So everyone, yeah, keep keep leaving feedback and, and keep uh, thanking Matt for doing the podcast. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Bye. All right, Matt. Thank you very much. Uh, what's the deal with Harvard? I do believe that he is an incarnation of Odin. Um, and I, I think I explained it earlier, but uh, I think that Aslog's conversation with the seer at the very beginning of this season where he told her that the gods walk among us. At, at first, I thought that was about Ragnar or about Bjorn or uh, about possibly Fenrir being around, uh, causing some problems for Bjorn. But now I, I think that this was just simply telling us that Harbard uh, is walking around on Earth and it's supposed to point to us that Harbard is, in fact, Odin. And as far as Ivar's creepy laugh... um. Yeah, Ivar's got a dark side, so I think it was very intentional that they did that. Um, and I think it was supposed to say as much about Harvard as it was about Ivar. Uh, I think it was supposed to say that because Harvard does seem to please Ivar, um, and because Ivar does have this dark side, that it may be an indication of, of you know, the fact that our Harvard slash Odin is not necessarily the great God that these people worship. Um, that he may be a, a little more mis not mischievous. That's much more a, a, on a kind of a Loki kind of thing, but um, that, you know, for what he does, um, there has to be a payment made. Just put it that way. And as for the, the, the Vikings pillaging and, and the fires and all that stuff, yeah, I I said this in an earlier podcast. I really compare Vikings to Sons of Anarchy in a lot of ways. In the, in the fact that you get invested in the characters and you care about them and you care about what happens to them and you don't want them to get hurt. And yet you cannot find a way to actually condone what they do. Um, so you have to uh, root for people that you normally wouldn't like. Uh, if they, if you encounter them in the real world, but that's what TV's for, right? Um, and since we're well separated from them in history, we don't have to worry about uh, offending them these days. I guess. I, I I like your thoughts about Bjorn. I I mentioned also that I thought I was very impressed by Bjorn just this episode, and again, his participation in this episode was actually fairly minimal. Um, but he still has a much bigger presence on the screen than it seems like he used to. So that's great. And your Lagatha points, they're all spot on, pretty much, in my opinion. Ragnar is definitely the show. Absolutely. You know, and, and Travis does do a great job. Um, to me, Catherine Winnick is, is just as important to my enjoyment of this show, anyway. Um, so, uh, how they write Lagatha and how, uh, how Catherine does is important to me. 
Um, but uh, otherwise, Matt, thanks again so much for calling in. I really appreciate it. Really good stuff, and hopefully we'll hear from you again in the near future. Have some more feedback to get to. Uh, I have a, a few tweets and a couple of emails here. Uh, the first tweet from at xhanna91 says, Just wondering if you knew the tie-in between Floki in the cave and how that was like Loki's punishment for killing Balder. Only it was snake's venom dripping onto Loki's head, but his wife stayed true to him and held a bowl over his head as well. Oh, that's a great. I did not know that. I was aware of the tie-in about hiding in the river um, between the two stories, but it, this was, uh, they just went ahead and did the whole thing verbatim. That's really cool. I got to bone up on my Norse mythology. I really don't know enough as is obvious because that's probably something that almost everybody who's listening knows, but Matt, the host doesn't. So that tells you somewhere about, uh, how much I know about Norse mythology, right? Uh, but thank you very much for sharing that information with me and any listeners who didn't know. And at Fat Monster says, for last week's episode, uh, Eckbert seems so far ahead of the game, I don't even know what game he's playing. And, uh, yeah, he is always at least a few steps ahead. He's definitely playing a chess game. Um, and sometimes it's tough for even us viewers on the outside to keep up. Uh, but I think the game plan has become pretty clear with the move this week where he's sending Aethelwulf and, and Alfred off. Um, he's basically isolating Quinthrith, and um, he's going to take Mercia and he's going to take uh, Magnus. I think that's that's his game right there. Um, at least one of them. I think he's playing multiple games, but that's at least one of them. Uh, finally, at Cute Poison Ten uh, tweeted the pregnancies confirmed this week. The seer told Lagatha that she could have no more children. So, what does that mean? Um, yeah, I guess the pregnancy is confirmed. Um, part of me still wants to believe that she's lying about it, um, but I really don't really see any reason why she would. Um, and if Ragnar knows about it, then evidently she's been telling lots of people about it. Um, I don't know if she would tell Ragnar about it personally, but I think that, um, you know, she would probably tell somebody and obviously they got back to Ragnar's cause he's heard about it. So there you go. I think we talked about what my interpretation of the predict of that, uh, fortune might be as a way to get around it. But I don't know if that has any feasibility or not. Um, let me know what you think about my little idea that you know, maybe it's a matter of distance to where the seer can't see her anymore, and that's why he said it's beyond where I can see. I don't know. Uh, Robin uh, sent in an email saying, Good afternoon, I am Robin, at uh, Two Fangirls on Twitter. I have decided to send my feedback in through email this week. I am sad that it looks like Rolo may actually be betraying his brother yet again. I was still holding out hope that this was all a ruse, although now it is looking more and more like he has actually forsaken his Viking ways. It's so sad. He has always been my favorite male character. I rated the episode 10 out of 10 because even with so many things happening, I was able to be in every moment with each character and there wasn't one single sex scene. There are far too many of those these days. It does surprise me that History Channel is able to pull off this level of intensity in every episode this season so well. Even with this season 
being doubled this year and not having a dull episode yet, that is wonderful and amazing. I can't think of another show that has been able to do this. Kudos to all involved in the production of Vikings. Also, History Channel has its own podcast about the show now. It has actors, writers, and others involved in making the show on it, and it offers so much more insight to each episode I recommend listening. There was far more going on in this episode than I am able to write about or even process at this time, so I'll leave it here for the week. All right, Robin, thank you very much for the email, and yes, uh, after I got this email from you earlier, I did check out the History Channel Vikings podcast, which I know you can find on iTunes, because that's where I got it, but... um, they did, uh, uh, this week, they did an interview with the actor who plays Aethelwulf and the actress who plays Helga, um, Maud Hurst. And Maud Hurst actually is the was my source for some of that information about managing Floki. Um, they also gave us an answer that I guess even the host of this particular podcast was asking was whether Helga did actually help Floki escape in the first episode because it was kind of ambiguous. And she said yes. So we have an answer for that now, too. Um, So I don't have to keep that conspiracy theory up anymore. Anyway, um, thank you very much for the email, Robin. And then this email from Angel um, in response to last week's podcast says, I gave last week's episode a low rating. You reminded me about the stabbing at the end of the episode. To my defense, it was St. Patty's Day, so I was maybe not in my right state of mind. Uh, An 8.5 would have been a better rating. You are right about historical inaccuracy for the sake of maintaining ratings. Despite my belief that they want to take Ragnar off the show, I am rooting for him to take down all usurpers and pretenders. All right. Thank you, Angel. Um, Me too. After all, the name of this podcast is Ragnarcast. If Ragnar goes away, um, should I change it to Ragnarless cast? Let's hope not. Let's hope I don't have to do that. Uh, but thank you for the email. Uh, and you rate any episode the way you feel in the moment. That's that's your prerogative. I, all I do is read the results. And if you disagree with me, all oh, more power to you. If you disagree with me, you're more than likely right than you are wrong because I'm wrong a lot. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the people who vote at the website to rate the episodes, they're usually not too wrong. And and. They voted this week, and you can too. Every time we're going to have a new episode, then I put a poll up uh, where you can rate the new episode on a scale of 1 to 10, and I'm talking about the episode of Vikings, not the episode of the podcast. Uh, You simply rate the episode on your scale of 1 to 10. You go to ragnarcast.wordpress.com. It's always the the post at the top. Um, It should be the first post uh, until we post the podcast episode reviewing it. So really easy to find. I usually keep the poll open between Thursdays and Sundays. So that gives you a couple of days to think about the episode and then you can rate it then. Um, Also, of course, all of the contact information and all of that's there. But this week's poll for what might have been had four vote getters on the scale of one to ten. There was a tie for third place at 10 out of 10 and 7 out of 10 with 18%. The second place vote getter was 9 out of 10 with 29%. And 35% of you rated the episode 8 out of 10 uh, for the top vote getter. 
And that really kind of does it for all of the feedback this week and for the podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen, taking the time to subscribe, to stop by the website and say hello or to check things out, um, for dropping in emails, submitting three words, submitting Ragnarisms, the, all of the quotes that we got this week were so great. Um, all of the three word submissions we got were great. All of the frig of the weeks that we got were great. Everything was great except me. And that's my voice. And I'm sure sounds really tired. I probably don't have as much energy. Uh, I have not really slept in the last 24 hours due to the music schedule. And, uh, that can be problematic when you're trying to do a podcast and even more problematic when you're trying to get a podcast out on time and the van breaks down. Uh oh, yeah. So anyway, uh, we uh, we we did manage to get it complete, and we will talk to you uh, next week. And thanks again for listening. This is Matt. Take care. Contact the podcast by emailing ragnarcast at gmail dot com or by calling three one four six six nine one eight four zero. Tweet to the podcast at ragnarcast. Please leave the podcast a written review on your podcatcher, and find all back episodes and other links at ragnarcast.wordpress.com.